0: All right, well, real Christianity, we are looking at who Jesus is. He's a person, not a tradition. We're going to lay out most of the blanks here and then hopefully talk about a little bit. Uh, and as, as, as we jump in to this, we're, we're jumping in to uh, John 21. So you can open your Bible there or maybe it's in your notes. I don't know if they've got all that printed there in your notes or not. I've got it in my notes. <clears throat> What? Okay, so you've got yeah, that. That should be uh, pretty close. So it was AD 33 Jerusalem. The Romans are uh, doing whatever they want to do, and the Jews have to basically make the best of it. And there is a lot going on at this time when Jesus walked the earth. Uh, the Jewish way of life was not exactly appreciated by the Romans. Uh, and, and th- th- there were many different sects developing. We think there's a, you know, a million and one flavors of Christianity today. There was a lot of different flavors of, of Judaism back in that day. We, we forget about that. Multiple different sects and, and striving and endless laws and power struggles and uh, different leaders, different figureheads and, and all of this, and the common people just having to navigate this. Uh, There was a religious stranglehold on the Jewish population, and into this setting comes the Lord Jesus Christ. The first blank is an unexpected Savior. Miraculous in his birth, his life, his teaching, his deeds, and in fulfillment of prophecy, Jesus was no regular man, he was supernatural. He was the one and only eternal God manifested in human flesh. First Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says, "And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. He grew up in poverty as a son of a carpenter, no formal training. Uh, no formal education, but boy, did he turn some heads when he went to the synagogue and began to teach? His teaching was profound. Uh, he spoke of God as no man spoke, He knew God's word like no authority knew. And he spoke, the Bible says, as one who had what? Authority. and not as the scribes. I think that's interesting, that it didn't just say he spoke with authority. And leave the scribes out of it Uh, no the scribes basically didn't speak with authority there was so much arguing so much indecision and so much man-made stuff and uh, many of them had more notes in the margins that they would uh, you know hold to than the actual law they were reading he's he spoke with authority and because of this boy people came to hear him he had crowds people do want to hear truth And they want to hear someone who believes in what they're saying and speaks it unapologetically, and and Jesus did that. Mark one twenty-two. they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Uh, Letter B, his works were powerful. He healed the lame. He restored the sight to the blind. He cured the diseased, raised the dead. Nobody had done this. They had never seen this before. This was unheard of. So the word spread about Jesus, and they came to him, and sometimes they could not even contain the crowds. He's in a house, and they had to come in through the roof, right? The one time, and other times he's on uh, uh, the shore, and he has to teach from a boat, because they're going to push him right into the water. And a couple times he tried to escape, Uh, If there was an internet in the first century, Jesus would have been trending, right? Hashtag Jesus, check him out, what is he doing? Everyone's talking about it, they want to see him perform the next miracle. And Jesus knew that for many of them, they were just coming for a show. Uh, You came here because you ate and were filled. But I'm here to tell you about the real bread, the true bread. Uh, But he was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick and mark six thirty three, when the, the people saw them departing and many knew him and ran a foot thither out of the cities and out went them and came together unto him in other words he was just thronged because of his powerful works his teaching was profound his works were powerful his love was incomparable he did not um, come as the messiah that was expected he did not fit the bill as far as what they were looking for i mean what was peter looking for he was looking for a champion and he was ready to swing his sword right alongside Um, he was different the way he taught was different the way he lived was different religion at this time was just everything was locked down i mean It was very much like today. In other words, all these traditions and all these rules and regulations on top of rules and regulations and and fear and control. And Jesus, that's not how he led. That's not how he was. They didn't know what to do with him. He would hang out with sinners, the most sinful in society, harlots and publicans and sinners and those who were demon-possessed, and he would eat with them. This is not what they were used to. They were used to these religious leaders who would not condescend to these lowly individuals. And so what Jesus was doing, not just in his preaching, but also in his lifestyle, he was demonstrating what I am here to present and to offer is different. He was not just simply coming to give them another set of traditions. He was coming to give them a real relationship Those who failed at religion were captivated by this Jesus and by his love for them. And I think that uh, that's where we want to go with this lesson, but with this series. There may be people who have been disillusioned here in this room or in this building, disillusioned with Christianity or church or whatever, Uh, Well, I'm hoping that my prayer is that if you feel like, boy, church isn't working for you or Christianity, boy, I'm terrible at this. I'm just failing miserably. I'm hoping that you'll see that Jesus loves you. He can help you. He'll meet you where you're at. And he will, like he did with the disciples, nurture you and bring you along and see you mature in the faith. And he's okay to walk with you, though you may see yourself as a failure. He will reach out. As God, he showed that holiness was not incompatible with compassion, grace, and mercy. And that's one thing that the religion of their day did not know, and that is also true today. The religion, religions of today don't know how to put holiness with compassion and grace and mercy. And uh, all of us in the religious systems are just trying to make the best of it, And then to make yourself feel better, you look down your nose at everybody else and that kind of puts them down and puts me up and I feel like I'm doing better in this whole thing that I'm, this house of cards that I'm constructing. He loved sinners. Luke 15, 1, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Now, why would they do that? In other words, uh, they were used to being condemned. They were used to being uh, outcast and shunned. There was something about Jesus that brought them in and they felt safe. They felt safe to come and to hear him. Folks, my prayer is at Anna Raptist Church, th- this would be the reality that people would feel safe to come with their problems, with their failures, with their struggles, and, and draw near to hear because they feel that they can, first of all, be received. And second of all, there's some real help to be had and to be offered. Well, verse 2 says, okay, they drew to hear him, but verse 2 says, the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Though there are no Pharisees today, <clears throat> there can be a, a Pharisaical spirit that can be anywhere. Um, nobody likes to be called a legalist. Nobody likes that that brand or that name and a lot of times independent fundamental baptists get that thrown at them all right and uh i've I've been with a lot of pastors i mean i was an evangelist for eight years and so we talk shop we go out to eat and and uh, we've got this whole thing sewn up If somebody ever looks at us baptists and says we're legalists well we just say ah nope the definition of legalism is someone who is working in a system of works to try to earn favor with God that they can be saved. We don't believe that. We're not legalists. Now back to our regularly scheduled whatever we were doing. Ha ha. And uh, that's, that's just too simple. You know, I do believe that that is the, that is the bottom line essence of what legalism is or pharisaicalism. Those are almost interchangeable um, concepts there. The Pharisees were involved in a works-based religion. They thought their works were going to save them. Phariseeism, legalism, pretty much the same idea. So if someone comes to this church and says to me, you know, pastor, I've been coming for three, four weeks. I'm not saying this has happened. I'm saying if it happened. Pastor, I've been coming for three, four weeks. I'm telling you, you got a you got a church full of legalists. Legalists in your church. Well, you know what I would tell them, right? Ah, we're a Baptist church. We believe in justification by faith, and we do not believe in getting to heaven by a system of works. Therefore, we are not legalists. Ha ha ha. Now, you know that is the standard, like what we're supposed to say. Uh, not that we're supposed to say that, but you know, that's not what I want to do. I want to hear what are you What are you hearing? You know, what are you seeing? There can be, here's what I'm getting at, there can be a spirit, of pharisaical spirit or a legalistic spirit that can be here or anywhere that the gospel is being preached. And we believe in justification by faith and by grace through faith. And we have all of the salvation doctrines down pat, but yet very subtly, we can take on this pharisaical spirit. And I, I tell you, we want to run from that. We don't need to have uh, a I'm, I'm better than you mentality, a holier than thou mentality. And uh, though I, I don't know that it's nice to throw around you're a legalist, uh, but I think if someone comes to you and says, hey, that seems kind of pharisaical or legalistic, I think it is fair for you to ask, well, what do you mean by that? How, how, are, you, how are you seeing that? Please tell me more. What can I do? I certainly don't want that. I was talking to a preacher once, and I said how there can be a, pharical, a Pharisaical spirit in good churches, and he immediately said, "This other pastor said, um, impossible. The Pharisees were unsaved individuals, and Jesus said that they go about to make." Disciples that are, and the, the, the proselytes that they make are twofold the childs of, of, of hell than they are. I slaughtered that. I think you guys know the verse I'm referring to. Uh, basically, they're lost as can be, and that's not us. Case dismissed. And like, wow, whew, that conversation was over. When we respond that way, that doesn't help us with this discussion. Doesn't help us figure out. So basically, what I want to say is, all right. So if we're not allowed to use the word legalist or legalism, we're not allowed to use the word pharisaical or phar- phariseeism, fine. But let's think of a new word because we've got to talk about it. We've got to talk about this somehow and figure out what is it that people are, are, are reacting to. And many times it is very subtle. It is, uh, as I mentioned, a lack of love, a lack of desire to really help someone and and maybe we feel we feel threatened or we're insecure in our own walk and so we feel better to judge and to put them down and put ourselves up as opposed to to reach out and let's walk together down this road we need more of jesus love and that's the the point on the screen his love was incomparable because he went after sinners bible says that jesus came to seek and to save those that are lost he said, uh, I did not come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. And so that needs to be our marching orders. Jesus came for sinners, so must we. And you cannot reach a sinner unless you have the same posture as Jesus, or you will just drive them away. And sometimes we do that. Go out in the highways and byways and compel them to go in. Okay, Lord, I will. Mm -hmm. You know, onward Christian soldiers all the way and they scatter like ants. You know, what's interesting here is we're talking about Jesus was just minding his own business and they were coming to him. Well, what is that? What's the difference? Maybe the Lord had something about him that you and I need to learn and to grasp Amen. Amen. We need it. We need to learn how to love uh, the, the individual. Yes, we, uh, God hates sin, and it's condemned. You know, the old adage, love the sinner, hate the sin. Sometimes we say it, but our love the sinner, hate the sin is more, we kind of just hate it all. <laughs> and, and people can see that. They don't feel safe. They do not feel that you really care about them. They don't come, and then you don't have a conversation, and you cannot help them unless that tr- the truth can be presented. <clears throat> I am convinced that the gospel is so powerful that all the Holy Spirit needs is a hearing and people will get saved. We just have to be able to get to that place where we're actually having a conversation or they're sitting in a service hearing preaching i've seen it my whole ministry i remember uh telling telling uh the group before we were in iowa and they had a youth group full uh, 10 10 13 kids and that night we had 99 so that was all kids from out out in the highways and hedges they all came in and i i told the group we're going to see some people saved how do i know that because you get a bunch of people in a room for 30 minutes of gospel, and someone's going to get saved. God does it, but we have to have um, we have to have His heart. They have to know they are loved, and that they are they are. Uh, it's a safe environment for them to hear about the gospel. All right, Number, uh, letter D, his claims. His claims were confrontational. He defied the status quo with radical verbiage and behavior he did things that were outside of the norm and uh they said he broke a lot of rules broke a lot of laws but (coughs) he he fulfilled the law he was jesus he didn't embrace the man-made religious systems of the day and he ended up rebuking the religious leaders of his day for their hypocrisy and he did so with some scathing terms on occasion He warned them of ladening people with oppressive laws. Oh, boy, how these people were burdened. The Sabbath day's journey, who dreamed that up? Uh, You know, on, on a Sabbath day, you can only go, I don't know what it was, we'll just make it up, 578 steps on a Sabbath day's journey. Well, bummer, Grandma's house is 582. Someone says, well you know, let's just have a bag full of dirt from your yard. And so, 578, pour out the bag of dirt, now I'm in my yard. I got another 578. And that's what they were doing. They were just literally making a circus of this whole thing because, frankly, the laws were a circus. And what are the people going to do? They have to live. I got to go see Grandma. She can't take care of herself. And it's the Sabbath, I know, but I got to get there. They were they were laden down with oppressive laws and he rebuked them for it teaching for doctrines the commandments of men uh, mark 7 7 how be it in vain do they worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men luke eleven forty five. he answered the lawyers and said unto him master thus uh, saying uh, thus saying that reproaches us also and he said woe unto ye also ye lawyers for ye laid men with burdens grievous to be born and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers so he even called out the double standard yes please To this day, there is a hidden line around Manhattan it's a fishing line now you can't see it uh, so that Sabbath day rest and it's called a, an era of, it's around Manhattan. And it's so observant Jews can still observe the Sabbath day's rest. It it, it establishes that perimeter of walking on the streets of Manhattan so wow. they don't break the Sabbath day rest. It's a hidden fishing line all that encircles Manhattan. I did not so know about they, that. So they've kept that. And it and the the New York City government has allowed them to erect that around Manhattan. How do they do that without, like, someone getting... Oh, it's up higher. Uh, (laughs) Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, You know, some people might ask, why in the world would anybody go for this? You know, why does anybody go along with that? You know, uh, some people feel more safe within the confines of tradition. And they feel like if they're working, then they're going somewhere and if they're always doing some activity then they feel better about it and and to just say it's by faith i I don't know it's got to be some of me invested in this and they get themselves into it and diminish from what christ did so his claims were confrontational thanks for uh uh uh, giving the comment anybody else has comments let me know i haven't gotten to the questions yet but if you have comments along the way please do um Yes, please. Well, what my uncle explained to me is like: the law equaled judgment, and the law also equaled death. And that where we're at now is we're we're in grace. So right now it's just the gospel plus nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, the the gospel gospel plus nothing. Absolutely. We're not under the law. Right. Amen. So Mark 2, verse 5, he said, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. There were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoned in their hearts. Why did this man uh, speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And uh, he, he constantly was, was uh, pushing, uh, testing their, their, their laws and their, their limits. His claims were confrontational. He claimed to be able to forgive sin. He also claimed that no one could go to God except through him. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. I am the door, John 10, 9. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Uh, so he made it very clear. I'm the way. You need to come through me. The real Jesus that we want to get to know and worship and fellowship with and, and uh, uh, show to the world is not the Jesus that so many have made him to be. He did not come to give us more oppression. He came to free the captives. And there is, a, there is freedom in faith in Christ. Uh, so we'll, we'll come back to some of these thoughts in a moment. But uh, So that was number one, the unexpected Savior. Number two, the unrealized dream. Just three short years into his ministry, everything came to a abrupt screeching halt as he was crucified, and uh, so for many people of the Messiah coming, and it was their dream to have liberty finally from Rome, uh, didn't happen quite like that. The Jews were able to get their, their way. Uh, even then, it was not uh, anything that God did not see coming, it was part of his plan. They made him out to be a fraud Messiah and that his, his disciples had stolen him away. And uh, of course, this was, the, this was the word on the street. <clears throat> uh, but he, he, he uh, was alive, he rose, and we're going to come to that in a moment and, and his interaction with the disciples. Uh, the, 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 the priests and the Romans never worked together. They hated each other but when it came to bringing down Jesus hand in hand, isn't that what we see today? You will see people cooperate who don't cooperate if if it's the common cause of bring him down or get rid of these Christians or whatever. The Jews hated the Romans and the Romans hated the Jews, but they could come together for this. But God used it. This man, Hebrews 10, 12, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Many believed on him, including even the Roman centurion at the cross. Now when the centurion uh, and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Some people were still Uh, being saved even in those hours and those those moments of incredible disappointment to so many. Some were being rescued. For the most part, when the crowd dispersed after Jesus gave up the ghost that it is finished and he died, I think many people thought that the dream was dead. The dream died with Jesus. Some thought he was a fraud. The Jews were still in bondage. Romans still doing their thing. And so they were discouraged disillusioned not sure what to do look number three unbelieving followers his followers requested his body they washed it embalmed it, did all the stuff that they do with the spices and whatnot and they uh, laid his lifeless corpse in that tomb and uh, what must have been going through their minds we have no idea but probably a lot of grief and a lot of questions they wanted to believe that he was going to come back to life, but I'm sure at this point they're really, really doubting. Mark 8.31 says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now, folks, can you get me clearer than that? I just read it really, really fast. But let's look at it again. He began to teach them the Son of Man must suffer many things. Okay, the beard, the hair, the, the 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 crown the beating on his back be rejected of the elders okay the chief priests the scribes and be killed and then rise again in three days what did he leave out nothing and yet they they struggled and and i would have too i'll be honest with you i would have been right there with them saying what in the world did we did we get this wrong Folks, I think the application there to us today is, let's not be one of the unbelieving followers when God has given us the whole completed Word of God. We have more Scripture than any of them had at that moment. We have the Holy Spirit. We have uh, so many promises and, and, and so much that is spelled out for us. But if we're not in the Word, it's easy to forget and sometimes I'm reading along, and that's why we need to read along, in my devotions, and here's a verse. And you're like, wait, 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 that's in there? Yeah, it's in there. It's been in there. It never was gone. This is what Jesus said. Hold on to that. Take that in that moment. Pray about that and, and, and have hope. So uh, the next few days, of course, the, as he's in the tomb, the, uh, the days that followed, the Pharisees come together, and, and they say, remember this deceiver said that he would rise again? we need to have a plan in case uh, they steal him away what's interesting to me about that is the chief priests and the pharisees remembered luke what is it mark mark 831 and the and the disciples didn't in fact they had more faith in a certain sense than the disciples did enough to go into him again It was enough for him to lower himself to work with them in the first place. And now they're going to go back and crawl back in there. And they hated that. We're going to go to Pilate. We're the the elite Jews, the high priests and Sanhedrin and all this. And we're going to go try to get him to do what we want to protect this body so it won't be stolen away. Uh, But they knew if he comes out of that tomb, that is worse than anything that he did while he was living. He cannot come out of that tomb under any circumstances. And he said he would. We've got to go back to Pilate. Folks, this is convicting. When the world will take heart about something Jesus said more than we, that is, that is very troubling, that is very sad. They acted on it, and they had a plan. They set a watch, and they made it sure, and they had it sealed, and so forth and so on. And the disciples were still doubting. Uh, I have talked with unbelievers before, and it's amazing how well so many unbelievers know their Bible and, and can say, I don't believe in God, but if I did, I'd believe this and this and this. And Why don't you guys believe that? <laughs> you know? uh, well, maybe we should. Uh, hey, um, it's it convicting. Well... We move on. I want to get to the, 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 the final questions here, and, and there's, there's so much. Um, okay, I'm going to skip ahead here in a second. The resurrection happens, and of course, they pay off the, 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 the um, soldiers, and they spread this lie, and uh, I'm sure many Christians believed the lie that was spread about. By the way, I just can't resist you can't believe everything that's printed in the news. Just a little, you know, a little (laughs) heads up there. Can't believe everything that's trending on Twitter. Uh, This was the word on the street. Eyewitness accounts. We go now to our eyewitness. This soldier was there. We're going to talk to uh, Artemis here. Artemis, what did you see? Yeah, they came in and they stole his body away and they beat me up. See? Oh, i telling you, it's the real deal. Okay, there's our eyewitness. Now back to you, Bob. And you know, this is the news. This is it. I guess this is what happened. How many Christians took that? And we're doing the same thing today. Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful what story you think is, is, is just has to be true. Hang on to your, the Word of God. Hang on to your faith. And, and don't allow yourself to be swept away with everybody else. All right, that was a little aside, but uh, he rises again, and he goes, and he appears to Mary Magdalene. I'm skipping quickly here, and then he appears to them. Uh, he, he took a walk on the road to Emmaus. He appeared again. Uh, he has a little uh, time helping out doubting Thomas, and uh, you can't knock Thomas, honestly. He was just human. He was as human as you and me, and I don't know that I would have done any better than Thomas, but I, I, I am I'm glad with, with how Jesus responded to Thomas. Thomas, do you believe because you've seen? Blessed are those who believe who haven't seen. And I say, oh, that's me. <laughs> that's me, that's you. Praise the Lord. And that, that again is another point about this real Jesus. The real Jesus, how does he deal with the doubting Thomases of this world? Ah, Thomas, let me teach you a thing, you unbelieving, doubting, no, actually, he was very gentle with him. I mean, we might have taken his head off. He was very gentle with Thomas, and he showed his love and his, his uh, desire to help him forward. We need to make sure that we are uh, embodying as individuals, as fathers of our families, as mothers within our families, and uh, spouses, and, 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 and as a church, we need to make sure that we are showing that constant devoted christ to the doubters uh, of this world because hey we've been one too all right now we come to the final the final bit where we want to pause uh did i skip okay so where is truth i think i skipped that one um we're going to go on so where is truth was one of your blanks and then and then the next blank we're going to pause is do you love me so this is that portion of scripture that I think you should have there... Okay, hang on. Yeah, John 21, 1-19. through 19. <clears throat> You should have that in your notes. If not, if you have a Bible, pull that up. John 21, 1-19. through 19. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. And he talks about who was there, the other disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into the ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. When the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto him, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, speaking of John, Saith unto Peter, "It is the Lord." Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him. I always <laughs> that's funny. Uh, he wasn't quite dressed, and he cast himself into the sea. He's so excited to see the Lord. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire, coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them bring of the fish which ye have now caught. So Jesus is already there with fish and a fire and some bread and some food. Hey, come on. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes and 150 and three. I think it's interesting we have the exact number. How is it 150? No, 153. Big fishes, fish. And yet the net was not broken. Jesus saith unto him, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art, there, who art thou, knowing it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and the fish likewise. Now this is the third time that Jesus had showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now people wonder, what is he talking about? these other disciples do you love me more than disciples do you love me more than what Uh, the author here in this lesson believes he was referring to the fish and it it stands to reason it could be the fish because he had just recently returned back to fishing and uh, that was what he was good at what we want to do in the final moments here we have together is talk about how the real jesus dealt with real christians who have real problems, Peter. Peter, at first, he's excited. John says, it's Jesus! It's Jesus! Where's my, where's my robe? Throw that thing on, and I'm going in to see him. And he is you know, swimming as fast as he can, and uh, then at some point he has to remember, oh yeah, when was the last time I saw him? When I denied him three times. And the last time with cursing and swearing. And now he's thinking, why am I out here swimming? What am I doing? Why I should be back in the boat. He doesn't want to see me. And he gets up, and just to add to the effect, he's dripping wet. <laughs> you know, he already feels stupid and high, and all the guys come in right behind him. They're dry, and, and they got the net and everything. And I want you to just notice with me how Jesus responds to Peter I've been waiting for you I've got some words for you sit down no that's not it he has a warm fire going Peter you're cold you're wet come sit by the fire I got some food hey bring the fishes all 153 of them bring them over well come on in guys And Jesus cometh and and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. and, and, And they just have a good time eating. It says when they had dined. So they have finished eating. That'd take a while. I assume they're talking and fellowshipping. Lord, how you doing? What's going on? He's not diving into Peter. He just lets that simmer. And when he finally does come to that confrontation, Peter, do you love me more than these? That's it. I repeats it three times. Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter had failed. Peter had felt like he got it all wrong. He thought Jesus was going to come and wield a sword. So he wielded a sword and he ended up looking really stupid. Not only did he miss the boat, he missed the head, barely got the ear. And he had, he had got it wrong about Jesus. He had got it wrong about himself. Lord, though all men deny thee, yet will I not deny thee. This guy's like, I don't know anything now. I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know what Jesus is supposed to do. I don't know myself and what I can do. Oh yeah, there is one thing I can do. I was a fisherman before all this started. Let's just go back to the beginning. Sometimes when life just goes crazy, you're like, okay, hold it, hold it. Time on life. What's the last thing in my life I can remember that wasn't Crazy. Okay, we're going back. Is it God's will? I don't care. We're going back. I, I was a fisherman. I know how to fish. I'm going. And he gets there, and they fish all night long and take nothing. Now he has to be thinking, I can't even fish. I didn't know who Jesus was. I don't know who I am. I think I can fish. I can't even fish. By the way, he was, they were all night. This was the third, the third shift, which isn't a fun shift. Some of you work it. It's tough. It's tough. But at least when you work third shift and you have a bad night, you still get paid hourly. These guys only get paid by what's in the net. Talk about feeling worthless. We just worked a whole night and got nothing. And then Jesus comes, beckons him in. He is all wet, sitting there looking at Jesus, thinking, what am I doing here? And Jesus has a nice meal, warms him up by the fire and just says, Peter, do you love me more than these and if he was referring to the fish, which I, I, I can't say for certain, he may have been referring to the other disciples, but let's go with that for the time being. Do you love me more than the fish? You want fish? I can get you fish. I mean, 153 right there. But do you love me more? That was how he confronted Peter <clears throat> for betraying him, for cursing. What about this? for embarrassing him now i'm not actually suggesting that jesus was embarrassed by peter i'm not i'm not suggesting that i'm suggesting we would have been embarrassed we would have been like oh my what did he just say ah oh this was the right hand guy this was one of the three this is the guy who saw the transfiguration and oh, oh, what have you done to the name of the lord you know sometimes we get embarrassed in church oh so and so what have you done oh hang on i need to sit down hang on i just i need to process this oh no teenager what have you done how am i going to tell us to pastor how are we going to show ourselves at church on sunday oh what will my mother think you know that's how we think we and why why do we think that way that's not how jesus thinks so, why do we think that way? In fact, well, maybe, yeah, any thoughts there? You know, why, why do we think, what's that? Sin. Sin, and more, dif- more specifically? Spiritually, through God's eyes and through the Holy Spirit, Certainly. I, I think it comes down to, you said sin, let's call it pride. And sometimes uh, we talk about the testimony of the Lord, and when you boil the fat out of that, it's my reputation. I'm this is for the testimony of the Lord and we believe in excellence for Jesus no actually we're more concerned about how we look and how we present ourselves and so forth and uh you you know sometimes things go wrong and we can't shake it off we can't get over it hey if God's over it you need to be over it and we need to move forward we need to move on um Sometimes things don't go right in the church service. <laughs> we'll have technical difficulties. We'll have something get messed up. I get the wrong order of service. Uh, Pastor CJ, he and I, we've had our share of gaffes. You know what? I, 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 I want to do things decently in in order. I really do. And I want things to be a good representation of, of, of who God is. God is orderly. God has things together. I don't. I'm doing we're doing what we can and, and uh, the staff is great and they make me look way better than I actually am. They save they save my neck behind the scenes more than you guys have any clue about. No, you probably do. I'm I just don't have a clue that you know that anyway. Uh but you know when, when we have a mistake, why can't we get over it? Oh, I messed up the song. Oh, I forgot this. Oh, and it's a lot of it's about me and my failures. You know, you look at this passage, Jesus is over it and he is actually coming and his concern is not so much peter what ha- what did you do his peter his his concern is actually what do you love who do you love and are you willing to come back to your call because he says "Do you love me more than these yea lord he saith unto him thou, thou knowest i love thee was Jesus' response? Feed my lambs and later feed my sheep. And he repeats it three times. Now, in the Bible, repetition is very, very purposeful. It was part of the, the way they spoke, especially in Hebrew. But if it's repeated, it's for emphasis. And Jesus is not going to let this just get dismissed as Jesus is just being nice. No, I'm going to say it two more times. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love thee. Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. I see Jesus in this passage being concerned more about Peter than what peter did i see jesus more concerned about peter moving forward in his call than he was concerned about let's break down everything that went wrong on that fateful night okay do you know when you said this uh, we knew it was going the wrong direction right there pal that was a you took a hard left turn now you know he didn't get coached he didn't get nailed It was, I got a job for you. The job is still there. It's still open. Feed my lambs. I think some of us would have said this. Peter, come here. We need to have a talk. You know, Jesus said at one time, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. And some people made that out as though that made him the pope. That wasn't making him the pope. pope, But he was definitely saying, Peter, you're going to have a big part in this. I'm going to build my church, not Peter. I'm going to build my church, Jesus said. You can tell not, it's not going to prevail against it. Peter, the name means a stone, and uh, you're going to have, you have a part in what's going forward here. So we would take Peter aside. Hey, Peter, you know, God called you to pastor. God called you to to preach. God had big things for you, but we can't have a cussing preacher. I'm sorry, pal. I am sorry. I mean, we, we hate to part ways like this, but you know, there there is openings in the janitorial ministry. Uh, see Jason after the service, and he'll give you a broom and a mop, and, and uh, you know, uh, you can still hand out gospel tracts. There's a whole rack full of them back there. Grab a couple of them, and you know, get those out, and so forth, and uh in, in, in a part of town where people don't know what you did, make sure you, you go in some other town, you know, where you don't have, you don't want, I want your testimony to bring shame to the name of Christ. So go somewhere they don't know you. Uh, and, but Peter, you know, it's been good, but I'm sorry. That's not what Jesus did. You know, I, I believe that uh, obviously there's things that we don't know about Peter's heart. I believe that Peter had already wept his heart, his heart out. I mean, the Bible says he did. He wept his heart out. I believe he cried out, Lord, what have I done? Lord, forgive me. I mean, there was that heart that wanted forgiveness and wanted, wanted to, to, to be restored. But have you ever asked for forgiveness and, and you feel like you just can't get it? And you ask over and over and over and over and over and you still just don't feel it? I'm not feeling forgiven. It's because we are keeping ourselves down, not Jesus keeping us down jesus comes to him and there's already a transaction that has taken place that uh seems to be implied here remember the bible tells us that our uh, um our sins are as far as the east is from the west do you see that here i see it he does not come in and talk about any of it because they already talked about it he already went out and wept yes Amen. I mean, anyone who has come to him has been forgiven. Right. Right, absolutely. And so what happens is we sometimes are harder on ourselves. You hear hear the phrase, I I can't forgive myself. Well, that may be true, but it's not that Jesus can't forgive you. And, And he is saying, I can only go back to what I know. And Jesus makes it clear, you can't even fish without me, pal. Noah. Every one of us need to hear that one loud and clear. There are certain things that you think you can do. There are certain things that I think I can do. Well, if, if I burn this whole church down, if it all goes to pot, and I tell Jason and Suresh, what were you guys thinking when you called me that one day? I told you not to call. Sorry, the whole thing blew up. Well, at least I can go back and do whatever I think I can do. No, no, not without the Lord. You see, Peter was being helped in his fishing all the way back then he just didn't know it And anything that you've done that has had any success at all God was involved in that and God comes to him and says you you can't do anything without me you need me I'm here and you can come back do you love me I love you the job's still open you're forgiven feed my sheep and it's interesting to me that by the third time he doesn't feel joy you mean it Lord no, he's grieved, it says, because he said to them the third time, "Lovest thou me? He's grieved. And a lot of that is his own guilt and his own turmoil. And also just the fact that he's having to be singled out amongst the 12. Do you, do you ever, um, some of us, are, some, some of you will, will relate to this. Um, some of us, we don't want to ever be somebody's ministry. Ever you know, we want to minister to somebody. I want to bring you a meal when you're sick. And I want to call you up when you're discouraged. And I want to go over to your house and pray with you when you have a a big thing. But you come to my house, hey, I know you've been struggling. That just, we don't like that. In fact, I remember one of, there was a guy I was trying to help. And I put my hand on his shoulder and I was talking to him, and he spun around and knocked my, my hand off his shoulder and he said, John, I'm not your ministry. I said, Whoa. And I don't think I was coming on that strong, but he was really hurting. He was really under it. And he just spun around and I am not your ministry. And we had ministered together, and, and so he wasn't used to that. We minister to others, that's what we do. You don't minister to me, pal. And here is Jesus. All the other 12 are sitting here, like, um, what do you do when Jesus is having this conversation? I'm going to go do the dishes, uh, you know, uh, something. And he is singled out. He He was the leader of the group, and he is being ministered to, and he is being helped, and he's grieved. And Jesus is not done. Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. When thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. This is phenomenal. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. That's all this is about. The past is the past. It's forgiven. It's done. I've still got a call. And I want to tell you something. You're not done yet. I'm going to fast forward all the way to the end. And I'm going to tell you how you're going to die. And guess how you're going to die? The same way I died. By crucifixion. And when he gets done, he says, Okay, we're done here. Follow me. Let's keep going. We got a job to do. It's not done. Folks, that is Jesus. That is the real Jesus. We need to make sure that we are showing the real Jesus to our kids. We're demonstrating the real Jesus to our spouse. So we're demonstrating the real Jesus to others who come into our lives or into the church uh, that. That we can forgive because he forgave. And we don't judge because he judges. He's the judge, not me. I'll leave the judging to him. Uh, and we're going to walk together and, and move together on the, the job, the call that God has given us to do. What you see here, I didn't put this on there, I was supposed to. Unbelievable grace. Unbelievable grace. Um we're almost we are we are out of time. Uh, I had several questions I wanted to I wanted to get to. I, I apologize. Um, wow, this was a this was a larger lesson. Uh, but let me just let me just say this: um, as we are as we are uh, living in real lives that that we get dirty, we get messy, we stumble, and so forth. We have got to hold on to the fact that Jesus is accessible and he is, he is patient, long-suffering, and he loves us and he will come for us and he loves to pick failures because failures have had the pride beat out of them. There, there's one thing that God can't stand and that is pride. And if we think we've got it all together, and I've never sinned like so-and-so. I've got a squeaky clean background. You know what? The Lord just might let you stumble into a puddle of sin so that you can be humbled, so that you can deal with that. All, all of that goes with that. Have to come through, a, a, a face your own pride, face your own sin, deal with that, face your failure. He may have to Let a little wind out of your sails before he can put his wind in them. A point is made here. Jesus accepts your belief and forgives your behavior. What does that mean? He accepts your belief and forgives your behavior. Uh, Peter believed Jesus was who he said he was. Peter had faith in God. he, He wanted to do the right thing. His behavior stepped out of line. You know, there is grace for that. There's forgiveness for that. We can trust God. We can get right, and we can move forward. He gives grace that completely compensates for your failure, past, present, and future, and allows you to begin again with your simple, expressed faith in Him. He invites you into a relationship with Him, following Him, knowing Him, journeying every day through life with Him as your God and Savior. So much more I don't have time to get into. Any questions that you guys had? Any? Bottom line is this is Jesus. He is not a religion. He is not a tradition or a set of laws, set of standards or expectations. Uh, He is not a structure of performance or a system of regulations. He's a person. He's an intimate God who loves you in spite of all the ways that you cannot measure up. Peter did not measure up. I don't measure up. You don't measure up. Exactly. Jesus measures up, and he wants you. Peter learned, I can't do anything without Jesus. He loves me. I love him. That's enough. Jesus says, feed my sheep. And you're not done until I take you home. Good? Okay. follow me. And we know that Peter was mightily used of God to turn the world upside down with those disciples in, that, in those early days. Uh, I am praying that God will help us to, to know the real Jesus, the Jesus that loves us unconditionally, the Jesus that uh, uh, will, will show us his unbelievable grace. I believe that was my last blank. Yes, it was. Okay. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Yes, sir. That, that, that's what uh, we understand from tradition. You know, there's not a, not a, yeah, right. There's not a verse in the Bible that says specifically, but the tradition that has been handed down, you know, is that Peter was crucified upside down because he, he didn't want to die the same way Jesus did. But it's interesting, the way Jesus put it to him was, you're going to die the way I, the way I died. And and that, since you mentioned that, remember when they said, I want to sit on your right hand and on your left. He's like, oh, you do? Well, can you be baptized with the same baptism I'm baptized with? Meaning, can you go through what I'm going to go through? And they're like, uh, sure, we can. Um, At that moment, they didn't have a clue. But fast forward, and Jesus says, yeah, you will. You will be baptized with the same baptism that I'm baptized with. And he went through the same thing. God took him failures and all because he did get humbled and he did come back to uh, that that faithful dependence on the Lord. All right, I feel bad that I did all the talking on that one. I will try next week to be able to get to my questions sooner so we can have more discussion, but thank you for the ones who did give some input. Uh, That that was a blessing. All right, well, let's pray. Lord, thank you that we uh, can have uh, a real relationship with you. Lord, we definitely, we we relate with Peter. His failure and his guilt, the embarrassment that he must have felt, the humiliation. And yet, Lord, you did not cast him out for that. You said, the job's still open. Feed my lambs, follow me. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage someone here, maybe someone watching online, to let go of their pride to, to, to shake off the voice of the accuser of the brethren and to hear your voice, the voice that is saying to each one, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And I pray we'd embrace your love and not let any failure of ourselves or anyone else keep us from your perfect will for our lives. Lord bless now, I pray as we dismiss and we pray that this week we would live uh, that life of devotion to the real Jesus of the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you. God bless you.